Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork, a Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I'm joined, as always, by my illustrious colleague, the incomparable Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you doing? So fantastic. I am so excited. Excited to be with you, Christian, and you always make me smile. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. I hope it's for a good reason and not for something horrific that I've done or totally embarrassing, but it's great to be with you too. And and I appreciate your energy this morning because I was up very late last night uh, <laughs> doing some work. And so uh, thank you for recharging my batteries. Yeah. So uh, listen, we, we I got to brag about you. So the Olympics are over for the athletes, but not for you. That's right. For many people <laughs> who organize the games, uh, sometimes work begins when the games end. And that's the case for me as uh, we're now doing a bunch of uh, post-games wrap-up work. And that's why I'm staying up very late at night to get that work going. Uh, because you're interviewing people in, in China. The Olympic and Paralympic Games. Sorry, say that again? You're interviewing people in, in China. Uh, that's right. Interviewing the, the leaders of the uh, Olympic Organizing Committee or the Organizing Committee of the Olympic Games, the OCOG, uh, interviewing them uh, over the next two weeks. And of course, there's a 14-hour, I think, or 15-hour time, yeah, time difference between Beijing and Salt Lake City. Uh, that's the reason for the late nights. Right. Well, good for you, and and uh, for for then thanks for being here, even though you had a a long night. I, I appreciate that. I wouldn't miss it, Spencer. <laughs> well, we have we have an important topic to talk about today, and and really it's about what we're doing to keep our and attract the our best people, and this is a subject right now, uh, Christian. That as I'm traveling around talking to CEOs and, and, and peer groups, these are executive leadership groups. The, the, the thing that I'm hearing, and I just talked to a, a, a leader yesterday who actually works with 25 different organizations, 25 different companies of, of average of $80 million uh, of revenue each. And the one thing that she said, the hot topic right now, is they cannot fulfill all of their all of their backlogs of, of jobs and, and orders and, and because they don't have enough people. And so it is how do we how do we keep the people we have? How do we attract new people? And you know, the whole focus of of, of this podcast, Teamwork a Better Way, is to help these CEOs, business leaders, executives create that environment, that that, that team culture where people want to be. And so today we're going to be talking about some of, of those ideas. And, and Christian, why don't, you, why don't you tee us up a little bit? And, and I know there was a, a Gallup poll that was taken just last October. And, uh, that's and right. Before, uh, before you do that, I just if you're listening to this today on LinkedIn Live or on our podcast and, and you're running a business, I know most of you know this. I mean, today the business environment is different than it was 21 months ago. I mean, you and I, Christian, started our first podcast right now. It was in February of, of 2020. And then two weeks, it was like two weeks later, everything changed. And business today is so different than it was in our mindset at that point. And we have to be aware. We can't go back to the mindset of how we were operating in February of 2020 it's now February. Oh, 
today, 2-22-22, we have, this is the week-long palindrome week. So every day of the week is a palindrome. That's super cool. Uh, but you're totally right. Uh, we started this two years ago and uh, everything was very different then. And the Gallup poll that you just mentioned highlights the differences. They've done a poll. I think the last time they did the poll was in 2015. Correct. Yes. Uh, people to identify uh, uh, what was most important to employees, what employees wanted from their employers. Yeah. And then they conducted the poll, as you mentioned, in October. And the results were recently published. The, the results are quite interesting. We thought this was a good time to hop on and talk about these results because I think it's important for business leaders to understand uh, how the ground has shifted so that they can develop strategies to effectively address this uh, shifting foundation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I was just talking to a, a leader this morning that, that, that addresses these, these problems and he's, he's worked for Disney and he works with, he's worked with for, quite some time companies like Southwest Airlines Cleveland Clinic and you know one of the things he just says is you create an environment where there is trust that means from the executives all the way from the top to the bottom they know that you care about them that that you have alignment throughout the organization you have a culture of 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 servants and of uh, service excuse me and of continual improvement and learning. Those things are important. You have a culture where people want to be there. And there's some more things that we need to that we need to be aware of. And we're going to be talking about those now. All right. Well, maybe we can go ahead and dive into the results of this Gallup poll. Uh, there were six key uh, elements that were identified as kind of the top uh, things that employees wanted from their employers, that uh, staff wanted from their leaders. And the number one item on there was moolah. It was the compensation. Money. So why don't you tell us about this one, Spencer? Yeah, well, it's interesting because for, for as far as back as I can remember, it's usually money was usually like fourth on the list. And that was the case back in 2015. And, and for, for as long as I can remember before that, it was never that, that top thing. But today... We have obviously a, a uh, an employee market, right? I mean, companies right now are struggling to find the best talent, and and there, in some ways, there's some fear with the executives that that they can't do things to in any way drive people away, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So they're afraid to lose people, and they're struggling to to, to find people, and and so. What that does is that then creates an environment where people can cherry pick and say, "Hey, I want to, I, I I need more." And I'm I'm going to give you a, just an example right in my own backyard. You and I have talked many times on this podcast about our experience at UPS, and UPS is 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 a huge you know supply chain logistics you know delivery company, package delivery company, and and they they work worldwide. Well, here in, in Salt Lake City, where we are, we have a very large hub for uh, you know the wet mid inter mountain west distribution center, and I we've talked about how my my son was a was a supervisor there, and they were struggling to find hourly employees to come in and load and unload these trailers. It's very labor intensive work, and so they kept raising the price, raising the price. 
And they, you know, when we worked there, it it was it was not a foregone conclusion that we would get hired. I mean, they 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 could pick who they wanted. Today, anybody applies get gets hired. It's just amazing. And so my son, as a supervisor, was making less than the hourly employees that had no responsibilities. And it wow. was like, can you believe that? I mean, so why go through all the headache of being a supervisor? We So we're creating some perverse incentives. So, so he quit and rehired as an hourly employee <laughs> because he could make more without the headaches. So... So there, it is definitely an employee market. We are paying them more and more, and and so you have to be aware of that. And you know, I'm I talk with companies, and compensation is 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 a hot topic right now, and it's something that that you need to be aware of. And listen, it's part of the price inflation. We need to be willing and able to to pay for for the best talent. I totally agree, and and I think some of us. Uh, if we're not directly connected to it, we we lose track of what uh, a proper wage uh, or a proper compensation should be. And uh, I equate it in some respects to the housing market. If, if you're not an individual who is actively looking to buy or sell a home, uh, you may not even understand the value of your own home. And nowadays, uh, you know, the market here in Utah and in the uh, Wasatch front area is extremely hot and you get, you know, uh, you get phone calls, you get notes taped onto your door, you get things in the mail saying, hey, we'll offer cash for your home. And I go look on, uh, not that I'm interested in selling my home, but I'll go look on Zillow or something and look at the estimated market value of my home. And I'm, I'm amazed at how much the home could sell for. You are wealthy I, in I'm assets. I'm not really actively involved in it. And and I think some business leaders, who, if they're not really paying attention to what's going on in the marketplace, um, are surprised to find out, are you serious? You know, people uh, for this particular skill set are commanding this kind of salary right. uh, these days. I mean, it's very, very, very competitive, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually at a hockey game in Vancouver last week, and I was sitting next to a guy who is an entrepreneur, and he was talking about the minimum wage he was saying is, he said it was like $18. That's Canadian, so closer to maybe 15 US and 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 people are are, you know, just it it is. It's it's a different market today and so we need to be aware of that. And I think that money is not everything. That's that's an important thing that you need to be aware of what fair market value is. And and I think one other thing that we before we move on to the next thing is there has to be a sense of of what's fair. You know, you, one of the things that I'm seeing in companies, you have like sales teams and sometimes companies are changing compensation plans. And so, you know, people who have worked through the hard times now when, you know, things might be going good for a company are feeling like, hey, you know, they're changing the compensation plan and, and we're not able to reap the benefits now. Um, and so they're saying, well, we should grandfather in, you know, our, uh, all of our efforts and new people coming in or, you know, comparing themselves to other people. And so there, there are challenges that you have as an executive to also treat people fairly, like this situation with my son. I mean, you know, you're a manager and you're like, why would I do all this work for, you know, someone who's doing, has less responsibility, makes more there's there's this sense of 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 inequity 
that people are sensitive to. So you need to be aware of how your compensation plans may be creating some, some tension in your organization if there are perceived inequities. It's a complex topic and, you know, we could spend many episodes talking about it, but it is one of six uh, items on this list. So Spencer, maybe we can go to the second item. Yeah. Uh, just as you mentioned a moment ago, people are looking for more than just uh, better compensation. The number two item on the list is work-life balance. Yeah, like 61% of respondents said, we want work-life balance. And, and that's no surprise. I mean, if you think about what's going on um, in the last 21 months, people are, are just deciding that I am not trading my life for a paycheck any longer. I will work. I will work hard while I'm at work, but I'm not going to be on 24-7. There are some companies that that you know demand that you're accessible all the time. And, and I get it, but people today are saying, I, I, I want a life. I want to be with, I, I've had loved ones that have passed away. I have, you know, children that are growing and I want to be there. I, I like being at working from home. And, you know, what's interesting is this, this discussion uh, that's going on right now of, of a hybrid uh, work uh, environment is intended to help create some of that, work-life balance. But as executives, I want you to be sensitive to the fact that some people might be more comfortable coming back to the office than others. And and what, what we're finding is a lot of the times the people that are most comfortable staying at home are the ones that have the greatest home responsibilities. For example, mothers. They have children taking, not, not always. I mean, sometimes the fathers are, are, are doing that as well. So for those people as well, but typically it's what we're seeing based on research is that a lot of mothers, working moms are finding that they, they like to stay working from home. That could potentially disadvantage them. So if, and how could that do that? If they're not every day in the office with the executives, they may be missing out on certain opportunities that those who are more comfortable and willing to go into the office are receiving. So we need to be very, very careful as we are creating that culture and, and trying to create work-life balance that we don't create an environment that disincentivizes someone that is a highly qualified, hardworking remote worker or, or, or would like that or to at least keep with that hybrid model. You know, from a leadership perspective, sometimes I think uh, there are some leaders uh, traditionally who were fearful of having a remote or a hybrid solution because it's the out of sight, out of mind. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, are they being as efficient and productive uh, when they are working from home as they are uh, as they work you know, here in an office? And uh, I think the jury is still out because in some cases people can be very productive at home. Uh, they don't have to worry about commutes, so they save a lot of time. But that adds to the work-life balance. And in some cases, maybe not, because uh, people, you know, decide that they need to run errands and get groceries uh, during their work hours. And so, what's resulted is a tendency for some uh, leaders to to try to put some controls on remote work, where they, you know, there are certain applications that can monitor uh. when people are online and you know, people have come up with all kinds of countermeasures to, <laughs> to confuse these confuse these measures. And I think from a leadership perspective, one thing that leaders can do 
to help overcome this issue is to focus more on results and less on activity. A hundred percent, Christian. That is such a, an important point. And instead of, you know, m- monitoring, you know, how, how much time they're online on, on certain apps, are, are they getting the job done? And I a hundred percent agree. I, at the beginning of this, I was talking to a CHRO from Los Angeles and she was like, how do we monitor? How do we keep track? How do we make sure that people aren't taking advantage of us? And and part of that is creating that culture of trust and 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 high performance is the expectation is listen I'm here to work I'm not here to take advantage of of my employer although there may be a few people that are are bad actors that may take advantage of you that may have to address but most people I know are are good I have a son-in-law that works remotely for a, you know a tech company here on Silicon Slopes and and I asked him about this and he said you know, our our executives are happy because the the productivity is still there. In other words, we're producing what 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 is expected, and as long as we do that, we'll, we'll have that flexibility. They, they hope anyway. All right, maybe we can go to our third item. Uh, the number three item mentioned by fifty eight percent of respondents was opportunity to play to their strengths. Why don't you describe what that means, Spencer? Yeah, listen, if you've got someone who loves to be out with people, connecting with and engaging with people, you don't want them in your back office, uh, you know, locked behind a door, counting beans, or, you know, you want them out front engaging with with your customers. You want people, and, and vice versa, right? If someone is less comfortable with that, give them that opportunity to do something that, that plays to their to their strengths. You know, there there are ways to identify without discriminating, right? Because there are some people that might have what what we consider strengths of sales strengths, but want to be an accountant or vice versa. So we, we want to be careful not to stereotype, but it it does take energy for someone that is you know a people person to to crunch numbers and focus on on details. And this is a gross simplification. But if you can find what people are, what gives them the most energy, what they what they feel that gives them the most energy, and you can match them up with a job that really connects with with their strengths, then you create greater engagement and the potential for greater satisfaction. And you can actually measure measure that. You can measure an employee how much energy is being drained for them to actually do the job. Because sometimes there are job requirements that are not in alignment with their strengths. And so they have to compensate. And they can, all of us can, but we really need to find out, is that is that compensation or that energy drain worth it to them? Or is it causing lower satisfaction, which could cause them to potentially leave our organization? And if we have that conversation, because we're aware of that energy drain, then we can sit down and, and strategize. Hey, you know, tell us what's going on. How are you feeling about that? Is this is this worth it or not? If not, it, are there other opportunities available? You may not have a you know a, a, a hierarchical a, a promotion, but maybe you, there's a there's a lateral or or horizontal opportunity for them to to switch to a different place. And as you're hiring people on, a great practice, best practice, is to identify those strengths and be very clear that you're talking about what it is that they're going to be doing, who they're going to be working with, so that they know that this, is what I'm doing, matches up with my strengths and they're not surprised. 
You know, <clears throat> I don't know this for sure, but uh, my gut tells me that there's a correlation between item three, playing the strengths, and item one, compensation. Because <clears throat> you want, as an employee, if, if and, and, and again, if you're a, uh, an employee that's a productive employee, uh, you, you want opportunities to develop new skills, to try new things, to, yeah. to do things that you feel are meaningful to you. Right. And generally speaking, uh, those kind of opportunities warrant higher income. <laughs> so, so I think part of this, uh, part of this chance to play to strengths, you know, is related to compensation. It's not, I mean, yes, people want more money to do the same work, uh, but but I think people also want new opportunities to do things that are interesting and personally satisfying to them. And generally speaking, those those things are perhaps more uh, strategic in nature or at a higher level than than what they're doing now. And you know, to, to your point, I, mean, I just put an exclamation on that. You get more discretionary effort, which is why that if you know someone is is more engaged and excited you get that extra discretionary effort there should be a, a you know a tie to being more productive for the company so i think that's a i think that's a great observation christian all right let's hit number 4 uh job security oh boy uh, which is an interesting thing uh to mention in this environment where people are uh are willing to jump ship and try to find greener pastures whether it's through uh, another employer or, or for, through self-employment or entrepreneurship. Right. Uh, even though a lot of people are doing that and we hear all this stuff about the great resignation, well, job security is still important to people. You know, 53% of the respondents uh, said that they would, uh, if they were going to switch jobs, they wanted to find a job that was secure. I want, I want to throw this to you. What, t tell me what you think about why that, that's happening. Uh, I don't know for sure, but, but my instinct tells me, uh, that although these, uh, these times have presented, they presented all kinds of interesting opportunities for people. Uh, these times are also very uncertain. hundred percent. People are not you're, you're really on. sure what the future holds. Right. And so if you want to make a transition to something else, uh, it's still very appealing to find something that's secure, that's perhaps uh, to a certain degree immune from the volatility that we're seeing these days in the economy. That, that, so that, in my opinion, you're exactly right. And and uh, I've been doing all the talking. That's why I threw it back to you. But see, just to, just for you listeners to see the brilliance of of Christian Napier here. But that's right. I mean, they have been going through some so much insecurity. Many of them were laid off initially with their with their jobs as companies actually had to pivot we heard that you know last year that was the big word but they did they had to change directions and do things differently and sometimes that meant they had to lay off people so there was you know what what's going to come how, how much longer is this pandemic going to happen so much insecurity and that has elevated people's anxieties and 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 concerns and frustrations and and it's affecting mental wellness or and so if if they could at least know that hey this company is is steady they're they're recession proof or or pandemic proof then that's one less thing that i have to worry about so i can worry about other things absolutely and speaking of pandemic now that you brought that <laughs> nice up nice segue huh <laughs> it takes us to the fifth point which was 
a new point in this survey. We didn't see anything like this before, uh, but the fifth uh, most mentioned response was vaccination policies that align with the beliefs of the employees. Could you imagine thinking about that in 2015? It wasn't even on our radar. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And we are seeing, uh, you know, in some cases, conflict between uh, employer policies yeah. uh, with respect to vaccination or testing or mask wearing yeah. uh, and people's personal beliefs and opinions on the subject. And uh, in some cases, I don't think it's necessarily widespread, but in some cases, the tensions are great enough that people are deciding, I don't want to work with this company anymore because it doesn't align with my personal thinking. I'm going elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, you have organizations that, for example, in the construction industry that are lobbying saying, listen, we can't, we can't have mask mandates because that will kill the construction industry, which is already struggling for labor. And that's one of the industries right now that has all this backlog of delivery of, of, of services and construction they have to do, and they just they don't have the, the manpower to do it. And so a, a, a vaccine mandate will, will decimate the industry because many of those laborers are... They come from all over the world, and many of them are distrustful of vaccines. And, and you know whether you think that's right or wrong doesn't matter. But many of them are realizing that hey, I, I I won't work. I will. I mean, you even see this in the National Basketball Association. There are players that say, "Listen, I refuse. I won't even play basketball in the state of New York because they won't allow me to play unless I'm vaccinated. But I'll play for the team outside of New York." Isn't that crazy, Kyrie Irving? And yeah, you, you think it's crazy, but. But, uh, you know, I think, I think what employers uh, need to do is just have a very close uh, read yep. on the pulse of their, of their workforce. And, uh, you know, they've got to create uh, policies that protect the health and safety of their workers and their customers. Uh, and at the same time, I think, uh, show some understanding. And some empathy, and, right? And, we, it, and, so, and some empathy. Right. Yes. And I think we need to be smart and have and strike a, a balance. And, and you know, this is, this is not for or against. Uh, I mean, I personally uh, believe that the vaccine is, is helpful, but I would never force, want to force that on somebody that, that didn't. But how do you balance that? That is a, that is a struggle. And, but that's something that people are looking for. Am I going to be even nurses in the healthcare industry? Some of them are being forced to resign because they said, "I'm just, I'm just not going to take it." So, and this actually uh, links in an interesting way to our final item, uh, which is diversity and inclusiveness. Uh, again, this is a new thing that wasn't even in the poll in 2015, right? Uh, but it's there now and was mentioned by 42% of the people uh, who responded as an important factor in their employment decisions. And uh, I think, uh, generally speaking, people value diversity and inclusiveness, uh, which in some interesting ways may run counter to the previous item that we just discussed on the policies, because uh, there's definitely a herd mentality in some places, depending on where you live. And, and uh, uh, but at the same time, uh, People also want diversity of thought and opinions. I'm I curious that, your 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 take on uh, diversity and inclusiveness as an important factor in employment decisions. I, I really like that you you tied it to the previous topic. I think that's I think that is true. I mean, 
diversity means so much more than than race. It also means beliefs. It, it also means uh, how we communicate. It, and and I think this is a inclusion is is something where as, as executives we need to be aware our our, our excuse me, are our hiring practices hiring, creating bias or, or creating a, uh, you know, a, a, a type of, of person that we're hiring that we're not aware that, you know, we're creating a culture that's unintended, right? Does, does that make sense? We're just because we, we want a certain type of person. And so there's so much benefit of having an organization where there's a plurality of perspectives. Now, that creates some different challenges. It creates some dysfunction if you don't know how to how to manage that. But when you do it well and you include people's perspectives and you make better decisions, sometimes it takes longer to get to those decisions. So I think a, a, a good idea that we need to think about inclusion is how do we treat people? How do we involve them? How do we share with them what's going on in the organization? And and it, part of the great game of business, right, is here, let us share with you what, what we're doing. And because we want you to be all, you know, we want you to be all in, not that, you know, you, you're going to work 24-7, but we want you to, to, to buy into our vision, our culture, who we are, and and put your stamp on it. Bring your brilliance, bring your strengths, and hopefully they're different strengths in, in the organization. And all of those different strengths will, will make this company so much stronger. So diversity is, I, I think, is, is really important, especially in, in today's environment where where, where people are, are finally realizing, hey, there are, there are people in, in the world who have, have not been heard and not been included, and, and it's time we hear from them and understand how our decisions, our policies, our, how we operate is impacting them. I think you're absolutely right, Spencer, and I know we're up against it here, so we'll wrap up quick, but just a very, very uh, quick thought on that. Uh, you mentioned the word culture, and Oftentimes, you know, of course, it's obvious when we are looking to bring in people to our teams, into our companies, we are looking for people that fit, that fit our company culture, that fit our corporate uh, environment. And if we're not careful, uh, we can have blind spots. Exactly. When we are, when we are looking for people that will be a good fit. Right. And so we've got to make sure that we craft a, an, uh, a recruitment and a hiring and onboarding strategy and a retention strategy that celebrates diversity and inclusiveness, uh, while at the same time allows companies to to maintain or continue to build and improve their their own corporate cultures. Yeah, hundred percent. Well said. Okay, Spencer. Well, this is a, a fascinating conversation. Uh, it was great uh, to see the survey and um, great to have a little a little conversation about it. If people want to learn more about how you and your organization can help them and their organizations develop teams in a better way, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Gosh, I'd, I'd love it if they, I, I'm going to say something new this time. Uh, look up my uh, uh, handle on Instagram at, at Altium Leadership. That's A L T. IUM leadership at Altium leadership, or, you know, look me up on, on LinkedIn, Spencer Horn, uh, go to our website, altiumleadership.com. Christian, how can we find you? 
Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Christian Napier. You can go to my website uh, or our website, uh, gp4.com. That's gpfour.com. Or our new startup uh, with Life Stories, which is Raconto, R-A-K-O-N-T-I-O, dot I-O. You got another big week coming up here. Why don't you tell our listeners what you're doing? Yeah, we've got Roots Tech coming up uh, next week, the largest uh, genealogy and family history conference in the world. And uh, our company will be exhibiting there and presenting uh, on the 3rd of October, Thursday the 3rd at noon. 3rd of October? uh, Oh, October, March. Oh, third of March. Yes, third of March. <laughs> Why am I thinking so, October? Yes, the third of March next week. At how at many noon people attend? Time. How many people attend Roots Tech? Uh, well, last year they had one and a half million people register for Roots Tech, and they are looking to potentially exceed two million uh, registrations this year. So we'll see how they go. Amazing. All virtual. When we have the information about the. Uh, the uh, session and how to join. Uh, we will definitely share that on LinkedIn and other uh, social media platforms. So listeners like, and subscribe to the teamwork, a better way podcast. And we hope to see you join with us next week. Thank you. Thanks guys.